0: My name is Foggy Jack, and I'm the Shock Bazaar Mental Mentalist, and the host of the Foggy Jack Live Podcast. Now, let's head on down to the pumpkin patch for more.
1: dreaming. Yeah, right. I might quote a it's quite possible, but I have been dreaming. And I might quote a a line from a Chinese philosopher who once made a statement, last night I dreamed I was a butterfly. Today am I a butterfly dreaming that I am a man? May I quote not a Chinese philosopher but when I called a report from the Army Surgeon General, I don't know the exact year, it was about two or three years after the Second World War, and the report was to a particular general who was in charge of an ranking banking They had conducted tests on investment for five the first time in recent war. They found a surprisingly high percentage of the vessels that were tested, and they were all classifications, all classifications, ages, uh, types of enterprises. They found a lot of comparable were with a constancy that was also surprising of uh, being called back into the Army. Like that matter to you, it has happened to me and continues to, so, and I have been discharged in the army for the past 13 years. I am not denying the fact, I admitted the fact, but this was a dream, the beginning of it, the end of this experience of making physical contact, as far as I am concerned, was very, very physical. The dream? I did dream it. Uh, I'm making the initial
2: contact
1: with this one called Crexton. On September 15, 1952, this was a physical experience, as far as high am concerned. Correct, Calvin. As far as you are concerned. And you feel it's just being fought? You will pardon the vernacular. As an actual physical experience of yours by others, that they buy it, that is entirely up to the individual. They can accept or reject. It matters not to me. Well, okay, it did matter to you, Calvin. It matters to me because if this an actuality, again, you see, I am always depressed by history, by those events that will chase forthcoming events. There. This is not an indifferent, uh, a casual attack. This is certainly not a minor one. This is important to me, and important enough to you to have written a book. So I don't think you can wave off my reaction that of anybody in this room, or anybody within your community, the country, or anywhere else. I think it is important. Mm -hmm. Said I. now, if I can't there, I can
3: to me to somebody else.
1: Well, the point that I am trying to make is this, that I do my own thinking. And when people read this book, I hope that they will do their own thinking. And if they want to
3: deny themselves the... Uh, my
1: soul as I have related it, that's just, uh, uh, that is very tricky. If they want to accept it, I'm very clean. This happened to me. I am just reporting. And you are reporting this as accurately. accurately as I possibly can. That I have, no doubt. But you are reporting this as an ostensible real experience. <laughs> They're not reporting it as something that has gone through your mind and your... Of the I'm reporting it as something very physical. Mr. Yes. uh you reported your first sighting uh, over uh, Pennsylvania, and you mm-hmm. seem to emphasize the fact that there was quite a color change. How long have you been exposed to sort stories prior to the sighting? I don't believe there were any stories um, uh, at that particular time. Most of the reports that I had read up to that particular time came in through newspaper services and uh, magazines, uh, periodicals, and so forth and so on. Did you not say that prior to that site uh, you became curious because your father was interested in uh, sources? Yes. Well I of
3: father I
1: think. Uh, I would say that uh, almost every sorcery of story talks about this fantastic color change. I I think they do. I think it's uh, that it adds credence to the overall picture. Why is this Seems in light so indicative of a sorcerer in the eyes of so uh, enthusiasts. Why couldn't it be a natural phenomenon in the clouds rather than the I, uh, a Only I haven't been exposed to natural phenomena as such. Uh, <clears throat> Then you actually don't know whether it was a natural phenomenon because you had not been exposed to one. Uh, right. Uh, The newspaper the following day carried the story as it being a flying star It was reported by other people in the area, I was not alone that evening, Uh, in the night, there were other people out seeing the same thing. I might cite the fact uh, that a news reporter once read his own obituary in a newspaper, and um, if he read it, you must have been very much alive. By that I mean the fact that they were sent on the front of Friday, it was not mean that it was a But I'd like to get back to uh, something else. Uh, how long were you in the service? A uh, total of eight years. Uh, you were in the Air Corps? Yes. In what capacity? I was a staff sergeant. Flight? No, I worked. Uh, my, my duty, uh, took me into food service, most, uh, most of the time. Combat time? Uh, no, I was, uh, during the, uh, first four years of my military life, it was with the Army. There I was a rifleman, or a cannoneer, with an artillery battalion. Were you on extensive maneuvers with this unit? Uh, no. You say that uh, you had a vision or a dream. How much exposure to social stories did you have prior to the dream? Well, up to that uh, time, I was about uh, about four years, I suppose. The story broke, of course, in 1947. This happened in 1952. Isn't the fact that when a person is exposed to any particular thing for type of that the clinical process over and the person goes into a natural sleep, that the mind continues to function, and the thing that is uh, most pressed into the mind or memory is the thing that comes forth in these dreams. Well, I am not qualified to answer that. I'm not a psychologist. I understand, though, that... Uh, Statement is accepted as fact. Well, then, wouldn't you assume, according to that, if it's accepted as a fact, and you have just stated that it is, uh, that your dream might have been a manifestation of the thought prior to that particular sleep? It's quite possible. Isn't it also true that people awaken from dreams with dreams, believing that when they're being attacked, the that it's just as human it actually happened. I've heard of such dreams. These dreams could have been just dreams. <clears throat> I don't believe that these I believe well, this is my own opinion, of course. I don't believe that there is anybody qualified to, to make a qualified statement uh, on such a phenomena, uh, the phenomena of dreams. We don't know what they are. I, I do understand, understand that a number of leading industries, our government, are mm-hmm. quite concerned on the subject of dreams, and they're giving it quite a bit of study and research. Perhaps a few years from now, we will be more qualified to, or I will be more qualified to answer to the question. Mm-hmm. Is uh, this book listed in the catalog in the of Congress? Uh, I believe it is. Is it listed as fiction or fact? That I am not sure if I Was it listed no, as fiction or fact? It was, written was nothing in presenting the fact. You say that you heard a voice from a personal radio in your car. Was there a report in the newspapers? of any other vehicle or any other radio reporting the same thing? Not to my knowledge. How do you come for the fact that only you could hear on a given set frequency a message from someone somewhere without someone else hearing the same message? I can't explain it because I don't understand it. Could there have been that you fatigue in driving in your car that uh, you could have imagined these voices? That's quite possible. Then if there is a possibility that it was that, then we can't accept this particular statement as flat, can we? That depends upon the person and his brain thinking. Oh, the Calvin girl and Calvin C. Devon. I've been listening to your story, and I'm terribly sorry that we don't have the opportunity to get through all the details of your experience. I particularly like the title of your... I believe it's taken from the poem by Bourdieu The night has a thousand eyes and the day but one and so on. The life of the whole world dies when love is done. I suspect that was somewhat the uh, drive behind your seeing the flying forces. Would I be correct in saying that?
3: I'm not familiar with the poem. So how did you hit
1: down the title? Uh, Coming back from overseas, a boy, a Navy boy, yesterday. to I think I probably knew this film. Yeah. What I just want to say about the book was that I think your book is, if your book is not fact, I think it is a far more important book uh, than it is fact, because the fact is something which is rather dull and will be accomplished, and uh, we all know the Venetians and the Venetians will know it. And frankly, I don't think it makes too much difference we no Venetians about no Venetians. We know people in Europe and we know people in Africa, and we know people in Australia, and uh, we still face the same problems of living. But if your book is not fact, then it becomes extremely Im- important because we are living in a world today where people are more dead than alive in the sense that they are losing their imagination. And the cultivation of imagination is one of the most important parts of living. And if your book is actually a fact, it is a very fine thing because it is a very a reaction. And, uh, yeah, how not dreams and living in the world with all sorts of strange experiences of strange people becomes a very important contribution to human life and enriches our experiences. You may think I'm, I'm all wet in telling you something of this sort. I think it's quite interesting. Well, uh, this, uh... Well, no, it's really a little humid in the room at the moment. not all wet, just a little brown. It's been a very long, very long night and we are willing to the the launching tomorrow. If that thing takes off, history has made. Columbus and the light buzzers are nothing at all. It will take off. It will take off, I hear. I see yeah. in the corner, Mr. Isquit, is deeply immersed in several algebraic formulas trying to figure out what relativity is on the own of his own I'm figuring and, out and the, the de- odds de- of more to give on tomorrow. I think he's about to say something of great importance. No, I just about to lay about uh, constantly August 10 to 1 on tomorrow morning. That's about the you know, very mathematical, of course, because what you do with my own feelings in this, Calvin? Uh, you, you definitely feel that it will take off, any not you, do definitely. Uh, do you see the craft, incidentally? Oh, uh, not
3: the baby. Oh, uh-huh. you see the uh,
1: larger one or the model? The uh, yes, yeah. I, I I've seen well the plans. Uh, the the uh, the theory is quite sound. Uh, you've the theory of the uh, the and so on. Mm-hmm. I have given quite a bit of study. May I ask you a question? I haven't read your whole story. About it. I've been looking through it outside. Uh, whether, and, and your discussions with the people from other planets? I think it's been I'm in pretty good shape too. So. Uh, was there any discussion of space flight? Uh, yes. You mean how they? How yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. Yes. There has been. Uh, of course, mm. it goes into it goes into uh, conversation that I was not familiar with mm. at the at the time, and still have very little understanding of it. But they talk of a multi-stage motor, and when such a motor is designed and built. But uh, this station, uh, uh, you couldn't name one that uh, that they couldn't get to within minutes. Uh, but these, these conversations, were they telepathic or were some of them They, were, they were conversations. 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 Uh, I don't know if anybody asked you, but I'll ask you again. Were there an appearance of similar people in this? Yes. I mean, but, but it could you, have been the person next door. Was this an adopted form or was this a regular form? I appears they appear quite relaxed. And uh, all I need to say was that they adopted this type of form to. No, no, they are quite relaxed. No they, like. they are quite I, see. I know. You know, I, there's a sort yeah. of story for State uh, magazine recently, and mentioned the fact that the uh, mm-hmm. the increase in the forms mm-hmm. has become very uh, evident. Uh, during the proximity of Venus now Earth, I don't know if you've heard anything about this, but it was recorded by uh, Major Keogh and other people. Well, I, would make, I will make this statement that within the next four of our months of this year, the people through the southern end of our country will see quite a number of what is called flying saucers. Very good. Calvin, yeah, thank you very much for being with us. This is Warren Pack, one who is up at Oklahoma City, and we've been speaking to Calvin C. Calvin, the author of the one-of-a-thousand, so I think you're And we're in Oklahoma City for the working and launching CX-1, which is supposed to go off tomorrow afternoon at 3 p.m. Of course, so this is baby model prototype. And that's ending right now. Thank you very much, Calvin. Sorry, according to uh, the time that we're going on out here, it is now just a few minutes after two. And at three o'clock, I understand that they will attempt to launch the OTC Circular Foil Craft for the first time. Whether this will be a successful launching or not, well, only time will tell. I want to interview a few of the people standing around here to get some opinions from them. First of all, let's walk over here to this gentleman. What is your name, sir? My name is Albert Guy. Albert Guy. I understand, Mr. Guy, that you're a full-blooded Indian. Is that true, sir? Yes, sir. I am. I was wondering if you have any opinion about the possibility <laughs> of people going to the moon, sir. What do you think about this? Well, it'd be a great thing, I guess, but I don't know too much about it. I don't know mm-hmm. how it is. the first, time, huh? Uh, Mr. Guy, do you think there's a possibility that, uh, there are people on the moon now? Well, that I couldn't say, but uh, I have my father-in-law, who is uh, 93 years old, and he's a 4 month in And uh, we were telling him about the people uh, going to the moon. And he said, well, he said, I can't say too much about that, but he says the white people are so greedy that they've taken up all the land here now. They want some more land up around the moon. Where you going it's a guy. Well, there's an opinion on the part of a full-blooded American Indian on the outskirts of Oklahoma City. Once again, the white people prove that they're greedy. They're trying to take the moon. Well, let's find out. What do you think about this young man? Incidentally, what is your name? Charles Wood. And where are you from, Charles? Bethany? Well, that doesn't ring a bell with me. Where is Bethany? Miles west mm-hmm. What are you doing out of Frontier City today? Just looking around. Well, I mean, did you come out to see this uh, spacecraft or anything? Well, I've read about it in the paper, and I will see what was going to happen. Then I'm going to ask you something. I've read all of the newspapers out here for the last 24 hours, and I haven't seen a word about it. What newspaper do you read? Well, my friends, was about four months ago. Now, two months ago, we were just just a small column or whatever you call it. All right, just a small column. What do you think about this? I don't buy that. Well, <laughs> how I'll go along with the gentleman. You'll go along with him. You don't buy it either. What do you think about Mr. Guy, the full-blooded American Indian, about his comment that once again the white people are greedy? They're not only, they not only tried to take uh, everything away from the Indians here, but now they're going to the moon to take it away from the moon people. I'll go along with him on that. You go along with everything, huh? I'll agree with you, that. I mean, let me ask you this. Are you going along to the moon? I hope not. All right. Thank you very much, and Nice talking with you. May I talk with you, ma'am? Yeah. What is your name? Dr. Brian. And yeah. where are you from? I can't see. And what yeah, are you doing out here today? Well, I came out to find out more about this from. Faith, I think. What do
2: you think
1: about it so far? Well, it's rather interesting. A friend of mine is telling me the theories involved behind it. I don't know if they'll work or not, but it'll be interesting to see. Well, I'll tell you what, this is really a rare opportunity for me because I've been trying to find somebody to explain to me the theories. I have a lot of time. Would you tell me something about the theories? Well,. Is making this, please? Oh, well, it, I really can't explain it. except that it has some magnets in it. Yes. And part of it moves in one direction, the other part moves in the other direction, and it cuts across the gravitational field. I see. And creates its own power somehow. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. <laughs> That's it. Well, something similar to that. I don't know the theory behind it. Ah, you think they'll be successful?
2: Well, I really don't know. It'll be interesting to watch whether they are on.
1: I want to ask you this question. If they invited you to go to the moon, of course, they're not going to the moon today. They're not even attempting that. But uh, we've been told that the designer of this craft, Otis Carr, incidentally, he's president of OTC Enterprise. He claims that he's going to the moon on December seventh, 1959, not in the craft that we're going to see launch this afternoon, but in uh, the full-size craft. Would you go along if you were invited? I think it would be interesting. I'm not sure that I'm a out to Congress first, but it might be interesting to see what you're looking. Mm-hmm. you ever thought about it? Oh, yeah. What do you think we would find on the moon? Yeah. Well, we're talking that it. It's uh, just
2: sort of
1: a vacant land. Um, um, well, here. Yes. Okay. I mean, okay. It's sort of a yeah. on it. Wow. It's a kept-off It's a There's nothing going there. There's just craters, and okay. I've read that it's dust miles and miles, and if anybody on it, well, the nest would all fly I understand, you got dust in Oklahoma, too. Why go to the moon for more? <laughs> That's true, did not <laughs> Thank you very much for talking with me. I appreciate it very much. Well, we've got some other people out here. Let's see. We've got a young man here by the name of uh, Charles C. Carradine with Horizons Unlimited. Uh, in other words, you did this right away, right? Well, yes, sir. I guess you say yeah. so. <laughs> you're, you're with us all the way. I mean, there's, there's no there's nothing mysterious about this. No, sir. This is going to go. Yes, today. We hope today. That wasn't my question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me let me rephrase the question again. Is this going to? Uh, are, are we going to witness a successful launching today? According to Mister Carr, we are, and yeah. he pretty well knows what he's talking about. So I guess we are. That's an interesting comment. Let me ask you, why do you think that Mister Carr knows what he's talking about? Well, it looks like this. If uh, if he thought the thing, well, he wouldn't. He'd be sure that it was going to fly before he launched in front of a bunch of people, wouldn't he? I don't know. I haven't got the answers. When you have a micro- microphone in your hand, you come over and ask me. In the meantime, I'm asking your answer. I really don't know. I want to know from you. Well, I heard so far. It's going to fly. Yeah. Thanks very much, Charles. Here's a gentleman by the name of William H. Murray III, Horizons Unlimited. What happened to William Murray II? Well, he passed away about okay. four years ago. Okay. And you're the third. You're carrying out the Murrays. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to. <laughs> what do you think about this? May I call you, Bill? Sure. What do you think about uh, the, uh, the launching that uh, we hope to witness today? Well, I've heard lectures on the principles of it. No, uh, what I've heard it ought to work. You really think it'll work? It's completely new. Well, not completely new theory, but so far there's only one, one man that's yet to try it. Mm-hmm. And that's caught. That, that's him. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bill Murray. Yes. How are you? Oh, I know her. Yes, I know her. I know her. This is Mrs. Dan Frye for uh, eight listeners uh, in the 27 states that uh, we talked uh, to. Uh, they certainly know the name of Dan Fry. Dan Fry is the man that claims he went from the White Sands Proving Grounds in New Mexico to New York and back. He it's a distance of about 4,000 miles or so in about 36 minutes. We've talked to him many times. We have his very charming wife out here with us at Frontier City. I had the pleasure of meeting her back in on May 11th and May 12th in the year of 1957 at Giant Rock Airport. I'm uh, located about 17 miles from Yucca, California. We were out there, uh, we were the guests of, uh, Doug Van Tassel. And Mrs. Fry, what do you think about it today? Well, from what I've heard, I say a theory. Is, well, can I quote my husband? You can quote your husband by all means. He says the theory is fine. It's just a matter of, uh, whether it will or will not work. And, of course, we're all hoping that it will. And we feel that eventually it will, if not even today, mm-hmm. because of the fact that after all the satellites all didn't work on the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened to Dan? Why isn't he out here today? He's uh, attending another space convention, a space-based convention in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, which uh, is uh, an air show, and they, are, uh, they have a booth there, the Crescent Engineering, and mm-hmm. he's showing his instruments. Well, I don't mean to be unkind to... Uh, the uh, convention or the gathering that we have here today, but would you say the one that your husband is attending is more or less scientific, where this here is a little metaphysical and mystical? Well, I don't
2: know, because I don't know anything about the other one. I just know that they had a booth
1: there, and he had to operate the booth. Mm -hmm. And it is uh, scientific instruments that they are showing. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you very much, Mrs. Dan Fry. Here we are again, neighbors. Frontier City, Oklahoma, on the outskirts of Oklahoma City. We reported to you this afternoon that uh, we're out here. It's a beautiful day. We've been talking to a lot of people. We had a very, very unusual experience. We went in this uh, OTC ride. This is actually an amusement park out here. And uh, according to what we've been told, it's just a matter of uh, a few minutes and something's going to happen, the launching of the OTC Circular Foil craft. At the present moment, I'm sitting in a souvenir shop. And at the particular table that they've been kind enough to permit me to use, I can see everything that's going on outside. I see Ben Iskowitz and Ellery Lanier, they're milling around out there with the thousands of people. There's Warren Pack. Warren Pack, again, has that little pad and pencil out. He must be trying to get some additional information. I wonder if he could be a little quiet over there. Thank you very much. There's a little noise in the souvenir shop, people coming in and buying souvenirs. And I might add friends that a lot of the souvenirs were never made in Oklahoma City. In fact, they must be getting mail orders and telephone orders. 259. Well, that means that we have exactly 60 seconds. And in 60 seconds from now, we should see something. Now, I notice that there's a tent over to one side, that is, there's canvas that has been spread over something. I don't know whether that is some construction work going on over there or whether they have the six-foot prototype model. But I imagine in just a few seconds we'll have more information and more knowledge as to whether or not the OTT Circular Foil Craft We'll get up. You know, the only problem that they have, and they're greatly concerned about it, according to the engineers out here, they're afraid that they cannot control it. Because if it goes into orbit, they have all of them very, very valuable instruments that'll take them another few months to uh, manufacture again, to continue the experiment. Morris, what time is it now? Three o'clock night, John. Three o'clock. And at the present time, nothing is happening except more and more people are gathering in front of the windows of the souvenir shops. I see somebody over there, it looks like somebody is going to make a speech, an announcement of some type. Morris, do me a favor. Would you go out there and see if he can catch uh, Pac? He's over there near the saucer. See if you can get him in a moment, because I cannot hear what's going on the outside. The position that I am in this souvenir shop, I do not know what the announcement is. It looks like Warren hot yet. Haley has just talked with Warren, and Warren is coming in now. Here he comes, good old warden. There he is. Oh. Yes. That's but he about two weeks out of the crowd. What happening there for us? Mr. Lane 8 just announced that there will be an unfortunate two-hour delay. Uh, approximately two hours. A two-hour delay? Yes. Yeah. Well, they have the saucer right over there under they cameras, don't, don't they? they? No, they don't. Uh, I had thought that also, but obviously the saucer yeah. did not arrive here. He's still back in that warehouse that we visited Saturday morning. Remember that? I was there Saturday yeah, about 7.30 in the morning, that building way out on the edge of town. Well, where, the one where I did the interview, where we had all of that wet intrigue. Well, obviously there's more intrigue, but it's a dry, hot intrigue today because, as you know, it's about 95 out here. Uh, I don't know the exact reason. There's a little bit vague on the also, but uh, I know that... Major Aho is going to spend the next several hours entertaining the people here by giving a little lecture on our various forms of flying, sorting, and uh, several other people's discussions. But it looks like now around 5 to 5.30. Well, maybe there's no use tying this up, this uh, booth over here. These people that own this souvenir shop uh, have been very, very kind to me. They've permitted me to uh, use this excellent view, and uh, what can I say? I can only tell you this, that nothing has happened. And maybe it will happen about 5 o'clock. So neighbors, stick with me. I'll be back with you in a couple of hours. Well, we're, I was going to say, back again. We are back again on the air. Uh, And I know by the time you listen to this, this coming Wednesday night, technically Thursday morning, this will, this particular segment we're doing now, I hope has been sliced to another segment when Warren Pack got out of the car to find out uh, what's been happening and what the announcement is about. Uh, Warren is back in the car with me. Again, let me say it's marvelous to sit out here in this hot Oklahoma sun in an air conditioning station wagon. Warren, uh, what's happened? Oh, I hate to spoil your enjoyment, John, but I just found out that there will be no launching today, definitely. This is, uh, been assured by, uh, there was an announcement they asked all the newspaper men to come up to the Marshal's office in Frontier City, you know, I have an old-time list in town here, and out came this gentleman, I can't recall his name, who represents the Frontier City Association, and he said, uh, that the, uh, there will be a press conference, this abandoned building, this family abandoned building. Well, is that the building that we uh, went to the first night we came into town? Yes, yeah, the same place where we saw the sorcerer, the small sorcerer in three parts, and if it's still there, obviously it's going to stay there for some time. Well, all right, I'll tell you what, I'll ask Dave to get all the equipment together, the recorders and all. No, uh, it's John, the no, they, they've asked that we just have the newspaper men and In fact, they're not asking any outsiders in them. I mean, it's nothing mm-hmm. personal. I like a a strictly a press conference out of this with a few photographers, I know Sam will be in there, Sam Vandivert. And uh, I'll bring out what they say, but they're not going to do it live. Obviously, they're very upset about the whole matter. And uh, it will be a direct, they don't want anything, obviously, uh, permanent said. They don't know what, where they stand and they just want to make it a insane a press conference. Are you trying to tell me, Warren, that I can't walk in there with a tape recorder and record this press conference? Well, oh, pardon me, or press Well, oh, Actually, uh, at press conferences, uh, they do not like, uh, it's a general practice. I'm uh, not denying uh, you down here. At press conferences, they do not use tape recorders. It just to be a general practice at most uh, press conferences. I won't argue with you, Warren. This is your business. You've been in it for years as a reporter. Uh, look, the only thing I can say is you take one of the other cards that... Uh, we have at our disposal here. Uh, can you take Ellery and uh, uh, Ben? Yeah, uh, Ellery and Ben will go with me, and uh, we'll uh, probably meet you back at the motel, and we'll give you a, a quick report on what happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody—just everybody's running around here. You, you notice? You look outside the window. You see the thing? First in front of the ride is now almost vacant. Sure, anybody, anybody And And uh, I know I'm going to sign up to do you know, sort said of how big slides in that place and if they knew this was going to happen, uh, I hadn't seen major a-holes. I guess they've all gone over to the building. The i not uh, Possibly. I think that uh, there were a few words that he didn't say between three and five o'clock. <laughs> if there are, man, I don't know where he hid them. Uh, neighbors, Warren is going to go over to the abandoned warehouse. The one that we had some difficulty, or rather, that I had some difficulty gaining entrance to the first morning that we arrived in Oklahoma City. And there's no use, at least I don't see any any reason for me to sit out here, although it's rather comfortable. I think I'll drive back to Oklahoma City. That's about 67 miles from where I'm parked in this station wagon. And... uh, I'll grab a shower and get in, eat, and uh, call today. The fellow sitting in the back seat are kidding about my driving. Fellas, don't talk about my driving. Warren is uh, already uh, getting into the other car, and so maybe uh, we'll be back shortly as far as uh, uh, radio time is concerned, and it may be a space of two or three hours as far as recording time is concerned. So stick with us. This is WOR Radio, your station in New York, 710 on the dial. Seated around uh, a card table that I have in my room at the motel uh, are three well-known members of the Long John Group Ben Isquick, Ellery Lanier, and Warren Pack. Now, they've... just come mm-hmm. back from the abandoned warehouse where the saucer was? And I'm going to speak with Warren first. Warren, I'm going to be honest with you. I am burning. I, I think, think I want to out something. I'm not uh, attempting to say this, spots right. right. I are profession as a journalist. I know that Ellery Lander is a journalist, but certainly Ben Iskwitz is not a journalist. If they wouldn't permit me to go in there with a tape recorder, why didn't somebody suggest for me to go in without a tape recorder? Ben went in there. I want to know That's what actually happened. I don't mean to imply that you didn't give me an accurate report, but uh, how is it that Ben could get in and I couldn't? Well, I don't know, John. Uh, the whole thing was so confusing. Uh, first of all, nobody can mention a RPC enterprise had uh, anything to do with the announcement back at Frontier City. Uh, this was handled entirely by the traditional force of Frontier City Association. Uh not done a thing that you could hear, hadn't seen Norman Colton for some hours. Major Aho, of course, was around talking. But then when they had this big announcement, he disappeared also. We uh, went west over to the what we call the abandoned warehouse, of course it, uh, it's in the back of the little house and it's not really abandoned anymore, and uh, I found about a dozen of there and about three or four newspapers, although here they seem to double up, John. I don't know if you noticed that the newspaper men seem to be taking pictures also, which is the sign of the small uh, town newspaper, although this is a pretty large newspaper, deal you know, from New England, Oklahoma, and there were some television people there. And this was not one in me, especially when nobody was in charge. Uh, I finally found Norm out in the back, and he sort of shrugged his shoulders about what had happened. He said he didn't know the whole story. And I finally pieced it together from about five different people there, including some of the people you interviewed the other night. And the story, as they tell me, and I cannot comment on it, but I have no comment on it, is that the bearing mount on the top of the saucer all of a sudden was one-sixteenth of an inch off. Anthony Mallory was standing in the corner, I didn't call his name, but he was giving very sort of pep talk to the workers, and uh, it's just all confusing. The focus, uh, full of flashing balls. I think Ellery was really more mm-hmm. in the middle of it until his I was on the outskirts of Norman making sure what happened. Ben, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I won't ask any questions. There's a microphone. No, no, no problem. I have no
2: microphone.
1: I wasn't allowed to go into the uh, warehouse or laboratory or construction set on that mysterious moonlight landing morning. that we moved, and this was the first time I saw it, store And the first thing I noticed when I walked in there was that the original members of the construction crew, or the mechanics, were not in the building at all. In fact, when we got back to the motel later, I recognized that the operations suite was here. and had obviously been here for some time, and there were completely different group of people. The I had the top taken, taken off and the uh, cabin compartment was off to one side and there was a various amount of uh, tools laying around and the fourth was right in the middle. And photographers were clicking away and, and a few of them had movie cameras. And something very funny happened that, you know, that it was really a very peculiar thing is that Al Lockman sat down to look at the underside of the craft and um, he immediately was told to get up, please stand up, sir, uh, by a little charcoal-suited disciple of uh, Major Wayne F. Hay Aho. And I recognize this because the man had an identification badge from uh, Washington of Intelligence. Mm-hmm. And um, he was told to get up, and uh, then a, new, uh, a photographer who had a movie camera to photograph the bottom of the ship also, and the, this little disciple approached him and they ensued an argument about he couldn't do this and he would have to surrender the film. And I, I think the man with the movie camera gave him uh, certain directions about where he could go and it wasn't for the moon. Now I went back <laughs> I went back beyond the other people so that I could look at the bottom of these sorts of And all I could see was the underside, which was mounted on seemed to be some very ordinary uh, a series of three dolly wheels. Also, there was nothing quite mysterious about it at all. Also on top of these sources, there were a patient, there was a patient over portion. And this is quite serious. This is no gag on my part. I asked what was underneath it, and they said that they had glued the bearings back in. And the glue hadn't dried yet, <laughs> and I, I, I forcipt the opportunity of asking if the glue had come apart. But there's one thing that I noticed, every single model that has been in our studio, yes. or that we have seen, the Utronic accumulator was facing, was tapered towards the center of the ship. But the Utronic accumulator on this ship is tapered towards the outside. It seems, to, I mean, it seems to be an opinion I expressed to Warren earlier that there never was a set of engineering drawings for this thing. It seems to have been, you know, go as go can. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Let me just, just for a moment, I, I I'm uh, a little uh, hot here again. I don't blame you. I, and I'm very burned about this. You just tossed in another name. Mm-hmm. Now, after all, I'm not against Lachman, which is not anti-Lachman, mm-hmm. But uh, where does Lockman come in on this, too? I am the guy that uh, uh, made the, the whole thing possible to go down there, and the one person that they refused to permit in the abandoned warehouse is Long John. Why is this? What is this, Tom? What, uh, wait a minute. What, what do you want? Uh, I just going to say, John, that uh, you know that you had a little difficulty getting in uh, there on night, and and... Uh, Several people, one uh, of oh, okay. uh, the military men who were connected with OTC Enterprises, are very hesitant about uh, recordings and so on. He's a little bit about a particular family thing on something I just want to say you might have had your small microphone on your lapel, possibly. And, of course, you know that he's very worried about secrecy and all these kind of things. I and mean, uh, he's worried, as Ben said, about the, uh, looking underneath the the bed or was it the cupboard or looking underneath the saucer i forget wish it was but of course you've got to realize you got to realize the military mind, john it's a very mm-hmm. wonderful space of his own and uh perhaps a little strange at times and over secrecy is a sign of the military mind always secrecy secrecy and more secrecy well uh, but anyway well, john I, I i have some information that might have something to bear on this and this this is uh, this is not a routine but Somebody in the crowd who was behind me, who I've never seen before, who I didn't see the night that we went out there, mm-hmm. and he was wearing some kind of army shirt and pants, and it looked like he may have been one of the workmen, although I've never seen him there before. Yeah. He was commenting to somebody about my caught your name, and I sort of half turned and listened. He runs on being the most dangerous man in sorcerdom because he exposes these people and has an, an earring of five-and-a-half 5 and a half pounds. And uh, doesn't treat them fair or something like that. Some, and I, 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 I have not seen that person since. I've not seen him back in the motel. It was the first time I saw him, and I, I can't, uh, can't remember his. Oh, I, 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 I can remember his face. So I, I, I haven't heard his name or seen his car now. You don't have to remember one individual's husband. When you go out to any of the conventions, you'll be able to pick up maybe four hundred or five hundred cases if they have that many. A couple people who believe that long guns are detrimental to saucy guns because they don't buy a lot of things. A lot of people think that I'm being unfair. I think I've been more than fair, and I think anybody on the program will agree. I think many listeners—we listen to the story, but we just don't buy these things. We want to see more. Now we've spent a couple of days out here, and the craft is not launched. Now. I think then, uh, I've talked to some people, too, and I sort I to changed my mind. Uh, last night, I thought maybe something would happen. Well, I don't know. According to what I hear, they may try to launch this Now, Whether we'll be around at that time, I don't know. Ellery, did you want to add something? Yes, <coughs> i You know, this was a very interesting second visit to this strange shark hidden behind the the abandoned corrugated iron factory on the outskirts of Oklahoma City, and uh, my second visit, I would say, was an amusing visit. The first visit was a very profound experience, and on the second visit, one of the technicians present, a man, well, I won't mention his name, told me that the trouble was that the lid wouldn't fit. And immediately, I looked at this device, and it looked like a great big pot, yeah, a big yeah. cooking pot. And somehow, you had to get the cover on this pot before you started the meal going. And you couldn't get the lid, and the thing might explode. The parts might fly apart. And the whole trouble was that there was a sixteenth of an inch that had to be shaved yeah. off. And then, uh, beside that, there was a very interesting and romantic note. Along the uh, atomic This me, electronic regenerating devices, the technicians who had worked on this device with Herculean Herculean energy through nights and days for the appointed hour. These gentlemen had each in turn for the historic moment inscribed their names in black black, wax crayons around the disc. And there were one, two, three, four, five, six names which I hesitate to mention at the moment, but it was a real, romantic, and touching event. And then I spoke very seriously to one of these men and he assured me that previous models had taken off and, and been lost and out of space. If this was so, then when the lid is fitted on, there's a tight fit, the thing can been spin, it should take off. But that remains to be seen. I also got an accurate count on the weight. There were various reports that the baby fourth, as it is called, that was about to be born, which weighed 600 pounds, and then someone said you no know, 200, and another said 300. And the final report I got was 650 pounds, which is excellent <laughs> for a newborn baby. Let me just interrupt Thank you on well, Ellery. Uh, of course, we're working under a handicap here. We're working with a small hand cap, uh, hand cap, a small hand <laughs> microphone. Do <laughs> me a favor. When, when you're holding this microphone, don't move it around and move your hand on it too much because it creates a, a lot of strain noises, and we don't want mm-hmm. think anybody to think the strange noises are from the launching of the OTC system, for foil craft. Could you complete your spot for the moment? Well, I did want to mention that the neutron regenerators generators were a very brilliant red color, which made them seem rather garish. I thought a note for his powerful I thought that was a note for our artistic mm-hmm. listeners. Do you want to add something? Yes, uh, Pete Varlin, is that the way you pronounce the name? He's the chief operating engineer there. He said, uh, very heartbroken tones, we can't sacrifice 35 years for 16th of a inch, which is uh, the indication of what the whole trouble was. i just like to mention one more again on minutes. Mm-hmm. This is Mr. M. Maywood Jones of, the space, of the space Form Engineering Department of OCC Enterprises. I asked him what Space Form Engineering was, and he said, it's like sales engineering. In other words, engineering sales is sales engineering. Space form engineering is engineering space form. And uh, he developed its form. And uh, he says he interprets Mr. Carr's ideas in three-dimensional illustrations. So I said to him, are you an engineer? And he said, no, sir. And he said, I said, to him, are you a draft? And he said, no, sir. I was going to ask him what kind of cigarettes he smoked then, but then I realized he might be a drinking man or he wanted to start in trouble. Uh, this is WOR Radio, your station in New York, long John with the party line. And, uh, you know, we're, we're not even going to be able to do everything uh, uh, this morning. We have a couple of other uh, things to do. Uh, tomorrow night, too. We have maybe around two and a half or three hours of additional tapes to be used tomorrow night. So, uh, although we, we still have more now that we're going to do, uh, one thing in particular is uh, what happened uh, Monday morning. This is a very, very exciting bit. In case you joined uh, us, uh, actually, we didn't take a coffee break this morning at all. In case you joined us during the past uh, hour or so, uh, I'd like to remind you that in the Hearst headline service, Warren Tatt had an excellent article about uh, what happened out in uh, Oklahoma City and in Frontier City, and uh, there's some other stories that will be breaking in the near future in Faith Magazine. Also, a national magazine uh, assigned uh, our friend Ellery Lanier to do a story. We have over a 1,000 photographs that were made out at uh, Frontier City and Oklahoma City, which will be uh, uh, seen in many of your national magazines during the next couple of months about our safari to Oklahoma City. And uh, no, I'm telling you, we're going to bring you right up to date on all of these things, because without a doubt, we had a tremendous amount of, of pleasure out there, and the craft is absolutely fantastic. Now, there are many rumors as to the height that it reached uh, when eventually it was tested, uh, when it was tested, when it was launched. Uh, I am not saying it was launched. You listen, and we'll get all of the details. Now, there was this young lady, uh, there was a lady out there, I'm certainly not going to say anything about her age, I, I really don't know her at all, except that, uh, in my uh, room at the motel, and there was a very, very large room, had 2 full three-sized beds in it, and. Uh, Sunday night, or I might say, I guess by now it's about one o'clock Monday morning, there were about five or six people on both beds, and all together in the room, I would say there were about 35 people standing, sitting on the floor, and what have you. There was one lady that made some comment about my method of interviewing. Now, I will admit that this lady certainly has a right to her opinion. She had never met me until I went out to Oklahoma City, but she said she knew a lot about me, and she was under the impression that I was uh, extremely rough with all people that believed in flying saucers. She turned this to me off the air, and I said, Look, I have a microphone here. I'll let you tell your story.
2: I don't know if you do it to everybody, but I mean, both last night, and last night, I think you're clobbering Otis And I think that what he's trying to do is with God. And I think it's going to, it's going to happen, regardless of what all you fellows here think. And that's my belief. And I don't like who I was going to be. Curled down, pulled apart, and stepped on the rack and turned upside down and tossed and twisted and turned. It hurts me in tight, because I have faith in this man. And I asked him to come for a park. That's Just like you said on his tape tonight, that your photographer over there heard the tape. And I think when he when your photographer came in there, he was very upset. But I watched him all evening. And I saw him wandering around all over the room, looking at all these so-called crazy, flying saucer people. And when your photographer left that room, he came out of there a different man. You're talking about our photographer, yeah. Sam Vandover? Yes.
3: Yeah.
2: Charlotte. I think he was really convinced tonight. Charlotte, may I? But a...
3: some of these crazy flying saucer people aren't as crazy as he thought they were to begin with. Charlotte. You've embarrassed me. I for guess. this reason. No, you have. We're on the air, though, and I'm going to go through this. Well, wait,
2: I'm just
3: trying to Fine, fine, Charlotte. I, this is understandable. <laughs> did you see us arrive here when we yeah. got off the plane? <laughs> now just want to Charlotte, please. Yeah. Let me complete this thought. Sorry. Charlotte, did did you notice the two gentlemen with the white jackets that got off the plane too? <laughs> They came with a photographer.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Now, I was so interested in seeing whether you were going to be frightened or
1: whether
3: you were going to take it and slide not see anybody else. Let me just say this to you, Charlotte. One thinks that Sam Vandivert is one of the nicest guys around. That's why Mm -hmm. he's with us. I don't agree with Sam. You don't? Sam buys a lot of these things. All I know is that Sam is one of the prettified, a real friend of mine... And he buys a lot of this
2: nonsense. I, I don't. But let's get back to cars. Well, we don't know,
3: let
2: me know, know tell you it. No, right. Well, in California, it's common knowledge that you don't buy anything.
3: <laughs> do they mention my name? Oh yes, all the people, people California. California. That's, that's what I want them to do. We can't
2: hear you all the time, but we know uh-huh. what you're doing, right. and we all talk about Long John. He never buys anything. <laughs>
3: right. Now, Charlotte, let me just make this point. I think you're being extremely unfair this morning when you oh. say that we've been clobbering cars.
1: We haven't. I mean, no. we, we, we don't... Uh, uh, let us say that at the present moment, we have not seen the craft launch. Neither have I. Uh, fine. But I believe in had... it. Well, this is your right. This is your right. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not sitting here and saying, Charlotte, you shouldn't agree or believe. But do you know that members, the, that is the executives of OTC Enterprises been on my show in New York, I would say, at least eight times. And if if I'm correct, in estimating eight times, that means that they've been on the air for over 40 hours. Do you know that the average interview is done in a period of 30 minutes? Do you mean... Can you stop to figure this out a moment, Charlotte? That 40 hours, basing it on half-hour shows would mean that they have been on 80 times on WOR. How many times have they been with Ben Hunter in L.A.?
2: Well, I'll answer that like this.
1: No, answer it. Just tell me. If these people
2: from Otis cars Enterprise have been on your show for 80 hours,
1: talking about this... 80 half hours.
2: 80 half hours, and 40 hours. Talking about this wonderful project. And they haven't convinced any of you guys yet of its worst, well, then all I can say is that the world is really God to the dogs. <laughs> or
1: oh, 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 would you say that possibly we're just non believers? That's possible. How many hours uh, has uh, Otis T. Carr been on the Ben Hunter show in L.A.? Well, I never heard of him on the Ben Hunter show, oh, but I, uh, I,
2: didn't, I didn't meet him on the Ben Hunter show. Oh, I see. Was, I, was he on the Ben Hunter show? I belonged to the understanding group, and he mm-hmm. came as a lecturer mm-hmm. in my group in San Fernando Valley. Was he on the Ben I Hunter, Hunter him, show? And I met him, and I only had to meet him that one time
1: mm-hmm. and talk
2: to that man, and I felt his sincerity, his honesty, mm-hmm. and I believed right. that what he was, was doing. Was he
1: on the Ben Hunter show? Uh,
2: yes, he was, but I didn't hear How him. How long? I didn't hear him that night. Mm
1: -hmm. But you know he was on. I I think he was on. Charlotte, thank you very, very much. And happy sausage. Don't
2: don't think that I'm mad at you. Only I know a lot of... you like me? Yeah, I think you're a swell guy. Thank you very much. Only I don't like the way you pick everybody to pieces. Because some of these people who come in here and want to talk to you, a lot of these things that they want to tell you are very sacred to them. All right, fine. And it's just like you'd take somebody that an innocent person, put him out in the middle of the desert and put him down on a cross and let the vulture stand over him, waiting for him to get half dead.
3: Charlotte, thank you very much. Nice talking with
1: you. (laughs) Good
2: night.
1: We're going over to the table now. I see that Warren Pack has located Norman Colton of OTC Enterprises. At this time in the morning, I can't even say OTC. Norman Colton has been with... Otis Carr for a number of years and unfortunately we can't go over to Mercy Hospital in Oklahoma City to interview Otis T. Carr and so we, well, we've been hunting, frankly, for hours now and eventually we located uh, Otis, I rather not Otis, but Norman Colton at the place where they've been working on the saucer. And uh, Warren Pack brought him into the room now. And we'll find out from Norman what, uh, well, we'll get a report from Norman about what happened yesterday. Of course, yesterday was Sunday, the 19th day of April, the year of 1959. We were told during an interview that we made with Otis T. Carr at Mercy Hospital on Saturday afternoon, that, pardon me, the 19th day of April was a very important day. It was the anniversary of the ride of Paul Revere. And that sort of concluded my interview with Otis T. Carr. He left himself wide open for me to come back with a remark. And I said to Otis, do you think that possibly somebody else is being taken for a ride? And he sort of laughed, and we Mm -hmm. left the room, rather his room, at Percy Hospital. Now, Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock, that was yesterday, just about 12 hours ago, I guess it's just about 3 o'clock now, Monday morning in Oklahoma City and uh, nothing happened of course there was a there was an opportunity for the press to go over to see the saucer. but it wasn't launched according to schedule so let's find out from Norman Colton what happened Norman it's all yours
3: Well, first, John, I'd like to say to the people within range of W.O.R.'s party line that the only thing we're really disheartened and dispirited about is the fact that so many people came such great distances and had to go away without being able to see what they came to see and what we sincerely hoped and expected they would, the actual mechanical difficulty that made it impossible to launch the craft today as scheduled was a very minor thing. It took only a few minutes to correct of itself, but because the craft had to be disassembled or partially disassembled and reassembled, in order to get the one part out that needed a few thousands machined off of it, the time we had remaining of the afternoon to get the craft from the shop over to Frontier City and then out to the launch and test area was just all consumed. We knew it would be dark and so we had to decide at that point not to keep people in suspense any longer, let them know the real facts, and so as you said, we had the announcement made at Frontier City that the launching would not go off as scheduled this afternoon, but we invited the members of the press who were on hand waiting to come over to the machine shop and see for themselves that it was only a minor difficulty that could be quickly corrected. And sometime today, that is Monday the 20th, we expect to continue with the program, uh, reschedule the flight test, and invite the members of the press to come back again, those who were able to stay over, and see a successful launching of the six-foot diameter x one Norman, I don't know where uh, probably a dozens of questions, but I think it would be rather Yes, okay. Mr. Awesome. at this time, I know that you've had a kind, of, a kind of a rough day, and I know that all of the directors of OTC Enterprises Incorporated of Baltimore, Maryland are certainly not particularly happy about this
1: delay. Supposing we wait until tomorrow and just hope, and if we can stay and uh, around late enough, maybe we'll
3: be able to witness the launching. And uh, if not, We wish you good luck. I sure, thank you, and I hope you can stay because I repeat, the only thing we're unhappy or uncomfortable about is that we've disappointed so many people. We will hope that they'll be watching their TV screens and listening to WOR when the first announcement is made that we have been able to validate Mr. Carr's principles.
1: Thank you very much. Norman Colton, WOR Radio, your station in New York, long down with the party line. Now, let me uh, just make a brief comment. Uh, we're live again at this point. I
3: am at this moment just slightly confused because the next portion of the tape, I don't know whether I describe in detail what took
1: place after we. Uh, Completed the interview with Norman Colton. Uh, if I'm being so, uh, I guess it's about three thirty or so, and I said goodnight to everybody. And uh, Charlene uh, Sturgis, uh, uh, young lady, uh, uh, whose husband uh, David Sturgis passed away about a year and a half ago, the well-known astrologer, and she was there too. And uh, she, in turn, uh, left with the group. And I don't know if she had some, uh, oh, I don't know, some ability at precognition or something like that. But she said to me, John, I wonder if they're going to do something to launch that saucer about 5 or 6 in the morning. Well, I want that uh... you know, maybe the late hour had, uh, was detrimental to her mental health for a moment. And I said, well, I, I don't know, Mrs. Sturgis. You, uh, you go back to, uh, with, uh, Margaret Storm and, uh, get a good night's sleep, and, uh, we'll see you in the morning. Well? I, after everybody left, and I bid, uh, some of the, uh, people that were with me good night, I went back in my room and decided to take a, a shower and, uh, possibly get to bed. And I took the shower and, uh, uh, I decided I to just a little walk around the ground for around 15 or 20 minutes. And I slipped on the uh, chinos and their shirt and uh, the uh, jacket. And believe me, it was cold after getting out of the shower. And I walked around and I saw somebody down at the end of the, or rather in the front of the motel. Of course, I had a beautiful office there, coffee all night long. Free, too, I might add. Ice, if you need it, not for your coffee, but for something else that you may have handy around. And uh, I saw somebody walking around near the swimming pool. And it turned out to be Sam Vanderberg. And I said, Sam, what are you doing up? By now it's about 4 in the morning. Well, he said, John, something's going to happen about 5 or 5.30 in the morning. I said, what do you mean it's going to happen? I said, I'm on the inside of all of this. And he said, John, uh... It's going to happen. Well, I said, uh, who else knows about it? Well, he said, naturally, Colton knows. And he He said, Lanier knows. I said, where's Lanier? He said, he's in Colton's room. So I walked over and rapped on the door, and there is Lanier. He is seated in Colton's room. Uh, Colton is sound asleep. I think you could have uh, put a bomb under him and nothing would have happened. But Lanier is in there typing a story. And I said to Ellery, what are you up for? He said, I'm writing a story. I said, don't con me, Ellery. Something must be going on because you're not going to write a story all night long when you could be getting some sleep and you need it. Well, he said, I am wide awake and I thought I might as well do it now. I said, well, why do you do it in Colton's room? Why don't you go to your own room and write your story? To make a long story short, after I pestered him a little bit, I found out that he had an idea that something would happen at 5 o'clock. Now, how Charlene Sturgis and Ellery Lanier and Sam Vandivert had the same idea at the same time, I don't know, but I have a hunch. Nevertheless, I decided to stay up. And I must admit that I only had about five or six hours sleep during the entire three or four days that we were in Oklahoma City. I went down to the office of the motel, got a couple of containers of coffee, that is in these glass... What do they call them? Carrots or carapanes or carrots, I think, something like that. Nevertheless, I brought them back to uh, my room and Sam had a chicken sandwich and a piece of danish and he brought that in and Ellery came in and uh, we decided to eat that and about 10 minutes to 5 Sam jumped up, grabbed my phone called room number 31 Colton, evidently we couldn't get him up with just the ringing of a telephone bell and so we went over Finally, <coughs> well, I mean, knocked at the door no one answered we got a passkey from the manager of the motel the night manager, we went in We tried to get Colton up. Eventually, we did. We went over to Mrs. Sturgis' room. We awakened her, and uh, we got uh, our friend uh, Warren Pack, sports writer for the New York Journal American, up, and we left the rest of them sleeping. That is, Al Watman and Dave Field and Ben Isquist, and so there was Ellery Lanier, Sam Vandivert, Mrs. Sturgis, Walter McGraw, Warren Pack, and Long John. It is now 5 o'clock in the morning. Oh, maybe... And it's just 5 o'clock now, too. At the stories, I'm relating it, it happened at 5 o'clock. Bitter cold. And we decided to drive out to the abandoned warehouse and from there go out to the launching pad. Well, I'm not going to say any more... Let's hear what went on the following morning as I recorded it on tape. Hi, neighbors. This is Long John with the party once again. With the party line, in fact. If I sound uh, exhausted, I am. We haven't been to bed. Actually, well, I guess since we've been out here, we've had maybe four or five hours sleep. We interviewed... Norman Colton of OTC Enterprises. And no doubt you've just heard that, because according to my plans, what we're taping right now will follow the Norman Colton interview. We arrived out at the abandoned warehouse about 5.15 this morning. And although it was a beautiful sunny day, yesterday afternoon... This morning, it is cold. Five of us came out in one car, and we were told that there would be at least three or four people out here to take the craft outside to attempt to levitate it at least a few inches off the ground prior to taking it out to the launching pad. Well, friends, I can only tell you this that it is now nine o'clock and they have just opened the doors we are now in the building itself where they still have the OTC circular file craft disassembled I understand within another hour and a half or two hours they're going to put the third section on and then put the dome on it now what's going to happen I do not know. I can only tell you this, that we're physically exhausted. We're watching. We're waiting. Warren Pack is here. He hasn't had any sleep. And Warren, I wondered if uh, he wanted to comment on this at all. Well, we seem to be getting closer to whatever is going to happen right now. Uh, a few minutes ago, the crew reported, and they were rather tired, too. In fact, I think one of them said it was the first night he'd been home in two weeks. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, uh... I think that in a little while they're going to try to put it together again. I noticed on one corner one of the gentlemen is oiling the bearing that gave so much trouble yesterday. But there's one other problem right now, the extreme cold. Yesterday, as you remember, the temperature was well up in the 90s. -hmm. And, of course, with the heat you have an expansion of all parts. Now today I would say the temperature isn't over 40 degrees outside. And with a cold wind and uh, they were worried about raising the heat level in this rather drafty... Corrugated barn, I might call it, and they're worried about the possible contraction of the parts. And then another uh, problem that we ran into yesterday, so there be the reverse. In other words, they've honed down this bearing, which is now over in the tail. You see, he's working on a lubricant into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now this could possibly be off uh, again because of the cold. they so mm-hmm. you're trying to heat up the place. You have the electric heater there. They have a yes, gas heater outside, and, heat on the other on side. Side. and uh, of course people are starting to crowd around. I think. By word of mouth, and news is getting out here. Uh, The rest of the boys showed up, as you noticed, uh, Al Rodman and Ben, Morris and Dave. At least they got a little sleep, though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, after all looking around a little bit anxiously, Ellery has uh, been talking to the engineers, and, of course, now they're getting close to what they always launching time, they're giving out a little bit more information than they gave before. In fact, they even permitted us to look underneath the saucer. I think I'll walk over here with the equipment. And see if we can listen into the conversation that uh, Ellery is having with the engineer. Cross out that first one there. All right. Now Eugene we Carini. Yes. Now the basic principle. Now now we know that when we have this, these circles of magnets rotating, you have a spiral field of magnetism going around in a donut shape, which intersects the gravitational field of the Earth, and that will develop the lift. Correct. Correct. That's right. In other words. We, we, what we do is act uh, 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 with the field of the earth and all we have to do is change the polarity at any given point and uh, as you know uh, we get the variation that we're looking for in either direction
0: mm-hmm.
1: and this very fabulous thing that you have i think for the first time really described publicly about the magnetic field the first time that it has been announced publicly the magnetic field developed by these uh, field coils intersects the double cone rota- uh, uh, coil on the rotating on the rotatable inner disc, generating an electric current within this double cone, which is then transmitted by circuitry into the eutron, where in turn it is again transmitted to the circle of field coils, generating again and. This creates this this donut of magnetic fields going around in spirals intersecting the Earth's magnetic field, and away we go. Uh, Could you give me the price of two of them? I could use both of them. (laughs) I tell you he's got it perfect. Uh, He really has. He's done it good. That was the voice of Ellery Lanier interviewing a couple of the engineers here, and I know that Ellery has some additional questions to ask, and we'll sort of step to one side and walk around here and see if we can get an opinion from some of the other fellows. Again, I repeat, no sleep. But we may be here watching history in the process of being made. I doubt it, but we're listening. Al, uh, Lopman, opinion? Still waiting to see anything other than an uncovered bit of Rube Goldberg-type invention. That's your opinion? Exactly. I think, I think, myself, I think they have something that has a great chance... I'm going It's been a big change here you know, in the past Oh, roughly five, six hours While I was sleeping Well, I'll
3: agree
1: with you Been a change in the weather Uh, been this incapable it For me to think Before ten o'clock In the morning Therefore I couldn't Possibly form an opinion Any different than The one I had yesterday mm-hmm.
0: It's
1: been a pleasure Talking to you <laughs> Well, I don't know, neighbors We're walking around. It's mighty cold in here. And I think uh, that's about all we can say at this moment. We'll be back with you in a couple of minutes when we have a little more information. This is WOR Radio, your station in New York, 710 on the dial. And this is Long John with the party line. Yeah. And we've got something, too. Oh, boy. A lot of disappointments, a lot of fun. And uh, we went back to uh, the motel, made some more tapes, which we, we just won't have time tonight to use. I'm going to use them tomorrow night with a group of engineers. We had a symposium out there. And some other things. Incidentally, uh, Dave Field, don't forget that Russ Dunham. We want to take that, the aircraft engineer and all. So, uh, you know what I think we should do? Let you hear what we have on uh, the tape now. This is sort of the, the, the wrap-up as far as the uh, Oklahoma City Airport uh, was concerned at that time. D- can we hear that now, please? Well, I guess this uh, wraps it up for another three or four days. We're going to be leaving Oklahoma City in about 40 minutes. And, of course, the OTC Circular file Craft did not get off the ground. We received a call from Norman Colton over at our motel just a couple of minutes before we took the cars back to the airport. And, uh, according to Norman, we may get a call at the airport here before we leave for New York again. So, neighbors, I can say that uh, we've enjoyed it out here and, uh, well, when we get on the plane, I'll get a report from some of the fellas who'll get their opinion. Well, neighbors, this uh, just about wraps up the trip. We're on flight 208 en route to New York from Oklahoma City. And uh, we left two of the boys back in Oklahoma City, Sam Vandervert the photographer, and Ellery There, At this point, I don't know what Ellery's doing out there, but I don't think the craft will ever get up. Or at least, when we left, nothing happened. I've got with me Dave Field and uh, Bennett with the cybernetician, and, of course, Sergeant Morris Bailey from the Perth Amboy Police Department, Al Lottman, and uh, Warren Pack from the New York Journal-American. Warren, supposing you tell us... Uh, well, you must have some opinion about what's happened. Well, I must say I was disappointed only in that the finish was not as fine a production as I would expect from Norman Colton and some of his associates. I uh, didn't expect that this thing, meaning the six-foot prototype, would ever get off the ground, at least not under the neutron uh, accumulators. I think that uh, the people in Oklahoma City were very nice. I'm talking about the natives now. Uh, Everywhere we went they were were very warmly received, and we met some very nice people. uh, This young astrologist, Zip, she was a very lovely girl, and a lot of other people. But uh, all in all, it was a nice trip both ways, I mean, a little bit rough possibly. Uh, We didn't learn anything we didn't know before. Actually, the plastic 18-inch model works a lot better than the aluminum uh, uh, six-foot craft. And uh, that's about it. I don't know what else you can say. It's nice to get back to New York again, and the best thing about it, as I said, was a very friendly reception we got from the people in Oklahoma. Well, Warren, uh, that's your opinion. I don't have too, you know, much uh, to say about it. I think Al Lottman may want to say a word or two. Al, uh, contrary to you, Warren, I'm not in the least bit disappointed. In this sense, I expected nothing. Uh, I had not even a feeling, an absolute conviction, that it never would work. That if it did work, it would be to such a minute extent that it would prove nothing. And uh, not that I'm happy about it. I, I am never pleased with the failure of anybody. I would have liked to have been surprised, but I cannot pretend disappointment. So From a strictly personal viewpoint, I've had a great time because of our own companionship. We've had a million laughs, not as expensive as anybody else with ourselves. And although uh, some of the people who associate it with the Enterprise may feel very badly, I don't, because I think they were living in a false paradise. It's contrary to anything in physical laws. Uh, They attempted to use uh, some form of mystical thinking in order to uh, attain their objective, and uh, they should realize that uh, that is just not going to occur. As for our own group, Warren, as you will certainly confirm, We have had a wonderful time, and for that, I'm certainly grateful to everyone who receives us so cordially. John? Well, neighbors, uh, I imagine that you hear the roar of the motors, and that means that uh, we're taking off from Washington, D.C. We had some fantastic idea, or at least uh, we heard some people out there that had some fantastic ideas that... uh, Our government would be very, very interested in the OTC circular foil craft. Well, I don't know. At this point, I don't think anybody is interested in anything. But who knows? Maybe by the time we get this on the air, maybe they'll be in business. Maybe the craft will work. Uh, I just want to take a look down the line here. Sergeant Morris Paley is behind me. Sergeant, you want to take it? Yes, John. Uh, mine is a feeling of uh, mixed emotion. Uh, coming out, intending to see something, we were filled with exhilaration, and more or less uh, over jubilant. And now on the way back, as we uh, start taxing down the runway for our last leg home, uh, I don't know whether it's a feeling of regret that we have left after having such a wonderful time running this thing down or a feeling of disappointment in that we did not see the craft go up. However, I feel that the boys that are still there watching the progress of what's going to take place will keep us fully informed as to what is going to happen, and until such time, a slight expectation will run high. But uh, nostalgia sort of rules deep, and I'm sort of swelling a bit, so I'm going to turn the mic over to Ben Isquith for further comments. Well, Mars, I somewhat disagree with you. I have, I have no expectations, and I had no expectations when I went out there except to have a terrific time, which we did with these crazy friends of ours that we call the Long John Panel. I never laughed so much in three days of my life. But what happened was exactly what I expected to happen. In fact, it was nothing. Also, right now, on the last leg of the trip from Washington to New York, in spite of all the fun we had and how nice the people in Oklahoma are, I feel a great sense of goodness coming over me and getting home. Home to New York, New York cooking, and New York sanity. Well, I've got the mic back again. This is Long John with the party line. And, uh, we're over Washington, D.C. At this moment, there's another plane. Looks like it's going right in front of us. No. Crossed under us. So, neighbors, we've got, uh, I think, about 50 or 60 minutes before we'll get back to Manhattan. I think I'll try to catch up and uh, get a little shut-eye. And, uh, well, we'll be back, uh, most likely live when this tape is used over the facilities of WOR.
0: Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Foggy Jack Live Podcast. Please follow us Also, make sure you subscribe to YouTube and to our Patreon. Hope to see you all next time down in the Pumpkin Patch. Thank you, goodbye,
3: and blessed be.